Thanks so much, Dave. I love the creeds, and that was a beautiful prayer for us to uh, just listen and hopefully in our hearts make that statement of, uh, of what we believe as followers of Jesus. Now let's bow in prayer before we, we get in more into the word today. So Lord God, thank you for the privilege we have today of uh, linking, linking arms, linking hands with Christians around the world that will be praying this creed. This creed that was established many, many years ago to bring unity to your church and unity to what we believe together. And so Jesus, even in our weakness, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen our faith today as we say to you, we, we believe in you, O oh God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Lord, as we uh, look into your word today, I pray, Spirit of God, that you will make it come alive in each one of our hearts. And uh, yeah, Lord, I pray that you will fill and touch and encourage each person here today by your spirit, through your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I said earlier, we are now in a new series called The Summer of Parables. You see the parables of Jesus up there. And I'm just very excited for, uh, for the six gentlemen in our congregation who have been willing to say, yes, we will preach this summer and, uh, and take a stab at teaching one of these parables. So, so Darren and I are both looking forward. We'll, we'll be in there from time to time, but, but it should be very exciting. Every Sunday you come the summer, it'll be like, who will it be this week? It'll be like, guess who's coming to preach? But that, that should be really good. So today, I'm going to give us a bit of an introduction to the parables. And you know, often with, with parables, there's a couple questions that need to be asked. Well, maybe, maybe for some of us, it's like, well, okay, well, what is a parable? Well, simply, a parable is a story. And more than a story, a parable is like a literary device that wasn't just used by Jesus. It's actually a literary device for teaching that's used in many cultures and many religions over the centuries. But parables are stories or a literary device to make a point. So if someone wants to make a point and have it hit home even harder or more uniquely or more creatively than just telling you the answer to a question, they might tell a story or tell a parable to illustrate it. And Jesus was known as the master storyteller, the one who told parables and used this literary um, tool very, very effectively. So that's what a parable is. Why did Jesus use this tool in his teaching? Now, the majority of the parables that Jesus taught are in the book of Matthew, and they're in, uh, especially um, clustered together in Matthew chapter 13. So Matthew's a good gospel to kind of give context as to what Jesus' strategy was. You see, when Jesus came on the scene as Messiah, he wanted to declare to his people, actually declare to the whole world, that the kingdom was here. John the Baptist, who came before him, said, kept preaching and going around saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it's near. And then when Jesus started his ministry, he had the same words, repent, for the kingdom of hand, or the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is here, it's near, it's at hand, it's graspable. And that was the message of Jesus, to bring the true kingdom. And so far, Jesus has been teaching about the kingdom. So early in Matthew, um, there's, a, there's a section called the Sermon on the Mount 
where Jesus begins to unpack and teach what the kingdom is. And this was radical, radical teaching because what Jesus taught about the kingdom was the complete opposite of what the majority and especially the religious Jewish people thought. So they weren't too sure what they thought about Jesus' teaching about the kingdom and most rejected it. So then Jesus moved on to another strategy and he started to demonstrate the kingdom. So then Jesus went around healing people and doing miraculous things and showing people, demonstrating the kingdom. And believe it or not, that didn't convince the majority. Yes, many believed, but most still didn't because their hearts were hard. They were so set in their ways of knowing or thinking they knew what the kingdom of God was supposed to be that what Jesus was teaching and even what Jesus was doing wasn't lining up with their preconceived ideas and so their hard hearts said, no, that's not the kingdom. So Jesus employed strategy number three. And that's where I suggest to you that he started to teach in parables. A strategy to both reveal the kingdom, but also to conceal the kingdom. But why did he do this? So I think the next slide has a quote from a commentator who says, Jesus told stories to get people to see what is valuable, what is effective, what is eternal, and to change people's minds about the kingdom. So key, Jesus' strategy, to change people's minds. That's actually the meaning of the word repent. Turn around, change your mind. That's the key of why Jesus taught parables. Now, before we move on to the, to the text a little more, um, a little test for you here. So if you're, if you're not familiar with biblical parables, that's okay. But for those of you that are, I'll give you a minute now to talk to someone beside you and see if you can figure out which these four parables are. Go. I would suggest to you that there's two that are kind of easy and two that might be harder. Okay. Would anyone like to take a stab at it? Yeah? Hey, I'll I'll come with the mic then. If Ivy's ready to take a stab at it. Are you guys going to do it? I'm coming with the mic. Okay, so top left. So the top the top left is the good Samaritan, and the next one is the tenant in the vineyards. And then the next one is the wages in the different time of days, and then it's the seeds that have been sown, like the gospel. Bang on. I think you named them slightly different, but there's the answer. So you're right, Good Samaritan, the wicked tenants. You said that, right? And then the workers in the vineyard, they sometimes seem overlap, but they're two different ones. And then the sawyer, or the sawyer, the sawyer. (laughs) The sower or the soil. Thank you. Very well done. See, look how easy that was. (laughs) Okay. So, I'm not going to teach on any of those parables. They're probably coming this summer, but I just thought we'd have some fun with that. So, back to the question, why did Jesus teach in parables? What was the purpose of what he was trying to accomplish in bringing the kingdom to all of us? So, we need to go to Matthew chapter 13. 
And actually, Matthew chapter 13 is kind of a bit of an explanation that Jesus gives in between another parable. And that parable is going to come in a couple weeks. It's actually the parable of the sower, but Jesus gives an explanation in the middle. So let's read um, Matthew 13, verses 10 to 17. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not understand. Next slide. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and I would turn and I would heal them. But blessed are you, but blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. So here's Jesus' explanation. Even his explanation, I, I think, is a little bit coded. He's using some Old Testament prophecy in order to give them context and help them understand. But what is Jesus trying to teach us here about why he's going to use this strategy of parables now to present the kingdom? Well, First off, he wants to tell them, basically what Jesus is trying to say is, disciples, I'm letting you in on the secret. The secret or the mystery of the kingdom. The Greek word that's used here is mysteria. And um, of course it means mystery. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of mystery. Does mystery excite you? Does the thought of mystery make you nervous. Now sometimes, in, especially in evangelical circles, I would suggest that we love certainty. And we're not so sure about mystery. But I would suggest that there's a lot of godliness that is mystery. And so I would encourage us, as we approach God, as we approach Scripture, and as we approach the many, many things in the universe that God has revealed to us, that we, we understand just the majesty of mystery and how important mystery is to our faith. And yeah, that doesn't mean that there can't be things that we can be sure of, but there sure is a way more that we don't understand than we do. And I think we need to have both that kind of humility, but also that kind of awe, that we serve a God who is so above us that there's this mystery. So Jesus, Jesus wants to, to let them know that I'm, I've given you, you, my disciples, the secrets to this kingdom, this mystery of the kingdom. You know, you know this, this mystery is beginning to be understood by them because like I said earlier, most of the people, they're so set in their understanding of what they think kingdom is that they can't hear anything than just their own preconceived ideas. And so Jesus is, is, I suppose, in many ways getting frustrated with that. 
and he's going to employ this new strategy, but he's wanting to say to the disciples, I want you to understand that there's a mystery to this. In fact, a mystery so amazing that he says at the very end in verse 17 that the prophets and the ancient long to see this day. Now, if you were here a few weeks back, we, we talked about this great secret of the kingdom or this great secret of the gospel that we take for granted all the time the one that the ancients longed to know for, the ones that the ancients and the prophets prophesied many times, but they couldn't even imagine what it would be like. Do you remember what that mystery is? It's the most amazing thing. God is no longer out there somewhere. God is no longer separated from us in a temple or behind a curtain. God became human and lived among us. God came by his spirit, and now by the Holy Spirit, lives within us. God is not outward anymore. God is inward. That's the mystery of the kingdom and the gospel that is so amazing that we need to keep jumping up and down about that. We don't go around saying to people, know God, as the scripture says, because there would be a day when we will know him, because he will indwell us, he will live in us. That's, that's the core of the kingdom revealed. Christ in us, the spirit in us, God with us, God in us. And again, if we've been in church too long, that just becomes oh so normal. Yeah, that's what Christianity is. And isn't that wonderful? But this was a great mystery. And again, back to the kingdom. They were so sure that the kingdom just simply meant God will raise up his Messiah who will be a king. And that king will be a mighty military ruler who will kick out the Romans and set us up as a power because kingdom is about power. Kingdom is about control. Kingdom is about us getting what we want for our country and our lives to be great. That's the kingdom. And so when Jesus starts teaching crazy stuff like love your enemies, do good to those that persecute you, love your neighbor as yourself, and starts to teach all of this stuff in the and, and then starts to demonstrate and starts to live like he's doing all these amazing things, and yet he doesn't talk kingdom talk. He's talking something that is like a foreign language to them. And they can't get or understand the kind of spiritual kingdom that Jesus is talking about that isn't just for the Jews or Israel. It's for all of his creation. The mystery, the secret, God for all. Salvation for all who call in the name of Jesus. So that's a part of the mystery that the disciples were beginning to understand, that Jesus was letting them in on, and yet many still couldn't get the mystery of what this kingdom, what the gospel was all about. So parables have a lot of mystery in them. And when you hear the parable, the different parables this summer, or there's going to be different times that 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 idea is going to come up as to what is Jesus saying here? There's some There's some mystery to all that God's up to and what God does and how he works and how this wording is. So so keep that in mind when when you hear um, and listen to the parables this summer. So in in this text, too, we see that the parables expose hearts. And that's when um, Matthew begins to quote Isaiah. And and you'll see a, a quote there. Parables both conceal and reveal the kingdom of heaven, all at the same time. You see, when he's quoting Isaiah the prophet, did you notice how he's saying how these people have eyes, but they can't see? They have ears, but they can't hear. And their hearts are hard. They're hearing, 
but they're not understanding. They're seeing, but they're really not seeing. You see, what Jesus is trying to illustrate to them, um, just through the prophet Isaiah, is saying, you know what? You are all just like what your forefathers were. Hard-hearted, and you're not seeing, and you're not hearing. And that's what you see on the slide there. Hard hearts, closed ears and eyes, equals a concealed kingdom. Whereas open and responsive hearts is the revealed kingdom. So again, it's not Jesus' heart to try to fool some people and say, oh, I don't... Of course he wants everyone to come into his kingdom and to understand his kingdom. But he's teaching in this way um, very much to expose their hearts, for them to fully look at their hearts and know, are they hard-hearted, closed eyes, closed ears? Because if they are, it doesn't matter what they see or what Jesus teaches or what great miracle they see, they still will not believe. Because the kingdom is only going to be revealed to those who have open and responsive hearts. So how about us? As I thought about myself, I thought, where where have I become so entrenched in what I think and what I believe that I no longer have a spirit of humility to be open to other ideas? Can we get that way? Like, that's what these people were like. They were, they were so certain that they knew exactly what kingdom was. They were so certain that they knew exactly what Torah taught. They were so certain that they knew exactly what God wanted for them and what God wanted for their nation. They had no doubt at all. They were so entrenched in what they believed that they became hard-hearted. And my heart for myself and for all of us is, let's stay humble. Let's stay open. Let's stay broken. Let's stay teachable. Because as soon as we get entrenched and hard-hearted and we lose those open, responsive hearts, we miss the kingdom. We begin to build our kingdom rather than really embrace the kingdom of God. So as you hear the parables this summer, the parables are going to expose hearts. Now, as I said earlier, long before Jesus told parables, parables were a common literary tool used by many, many teachers in many, many cultures. In fact, there's parables in the Old Testament. Um, In the Hebrew, it was called the Meshel. Or maybe don't go to that slide quite yet before I I give it some context. If you don't mind there, Rachel, it's okay. Um, Anyway, I want to read you a parable from the Old Testament, but I need to give it some context before we read it, and you all just read it if it's it's on the screen already. But this parable is going to be given by a prophet, and his name is Nathan, and he's going to give the parallel to, parable to Israel's greatest hero. And that hero is King David. Now, King David has been an amazing, mighty hero for the nation. Their greatest king, their greatest spiritual leader. But at this point, David comes to the ultimate low in his life. It's the time in his life where he takes another married woman to be his wife and to cover it up puts her husband in the front of the army so that he gets killed in battle. An incredible, atrocious evil that he does for his own selfishness. And he tries to cover it up and get away with it. And it's in this, it's in this state that this prophet Nathan comes to him with a parable. So now, now we'll read it. So it's 2 Samuel 
chapter 12. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it and grew it up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then David said to Nathan, You are the man. Now, can you imagine that moment? Like, there's just so much emotion and so much drama in this moment. Like, here's David thinking that perhaps he had covered up his sin. He's totally taken in by this story. And because of the righteousness in him, when he hears this story, he wells up with emotion, wells up with anger, wells up with injustice. And he's ready to kill this man for doing this evil thing. And then in that moment, in all of that emotion and anger, Nathan turns to him. You are that man. I wanted to share this with you to to illustrate the power of story and the power of parable and how it can evoke a response that sometimes a direct answer may not. You know, if Nathan would have gone directly to David and said, David, you evil, rotten sinner, here's your judgment from God. Now, I suppose in the end it would have resulted in the same thing. But David probably would have been defensive. Would have tried, who knows what would have happened. But in that moment, what could he say? He, w- he would have been absolutely leveled and devastated and called out because just the enormity of just the power of what was told to him. And so I just wanted you to see how parables, yes, they expose hearts, as I already said, but parables are like a mirror, looking in the mirror. And so when you hear the parables this summer, it's going to be like looking in a mirror, and we have to ask ourselves, are we going to be the hard-hearted, closed ears, heard the Saul before, seen the Saul before, I'm good? Or are we going to have open soft hearts to see ourselves in the parable, to be willing to take a close look at our own hearts, let our hearts get exposed to look into that mirror. You know, when we, when we think of, of many of the parables, um, you know, I, I always, I don't know about you, but I, I like, I'd rather be the hero in the parable or the hero in the story than the villain. You know, the one I often think of is probably Jesus' most famous parable, which is the parable of the Good Samaritan. You know, and in the Good Samaritan, um, a Jewish man is traveling. He gets beat up and robbed and left for dead at the side of the road. And then Jesus tells a story how a priest sees him, but he just walks by on the other side. And then another religious man called a Levite sees him, but he just walks by. 
But then a Samaritan, the people that the Jews hated the most, that Samaritan takes pity on the guy and helps him and restores him generously. He, he's for sure the hero of the story. You know, every time I hear that parable, if I'm going to honestly look in the mirror, am I the good Samaritan? No, I'm probably the priest or the Levite. And my heart gets exposed. And I look deeply into the mirror and allow it to challenge me as to where my heart's at. That's what parables do. But we have to be willing to look into the mirror and to be willing to face our own, our own humanity. So I, wanna, I, I close with a verse that talks about looking into the word like a mirror, and that's James 23, or sorry, James 1, 23 to 25. That says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and then after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Are we willing to look into the mirror this summer? To let the parables expose our hearts? You know, James said here that when we're willing to look this way into God's perfect law, do you notice what it does? It gives freedom. So looking into the mirror, having our hearts exposed may seem scary because perhaps that seems like some kind of negative judgment on us. I'd like to hope and suggest the opposite, that truly looking into God's word and truly having our hearts softened and our eyes opened means that perfect freedom is there because that's God's heart for us. Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. He doesn't want us to be the hard-hearted ones that miss the kingdom. He wants us to be the soft-hearted, open eyes, open ear ones that long for this freedom that he wants to give, a freedom to live in the kind of kingdom that Jesus taught, the kind of kingdom that Jesus modeled. That's the kingdom. That's what parables are about, revealing that to us. And so I hope and pray this summer you will support and enjoy those that are going to speak, that you will come with open eyes, open hearts, open minds, and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to teach me and my heart and my life through the parables this summer? So worship team, why don't you come? We're going to close with, uh, are we not? Oh yeah, you guys are just coming so slow, I thought, oh, they changed their mind. <laughs> nope, we're going to sing, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, so, Yeah. <laughs> Please stand as we close the service together.
Dear Lord, I pray as we go into our week that you um, open our eyes, soften our hearts um, to what you're trying to show us when we read your word or, or look for the lessons that come every day in our life. In your name, Father, amen.